Ladies and gentlemen, the following podcast is scheduled for one fall or TV time remaining. Introducing now from the sovereign nation of Poland, follow on Twitter at Landos, Landon Tone. Oh, hell yeah, good brother Rab, it's Stone Cold, Landon Doan, over here, what, I said Stone Cold, Landon Doan, what, Stone Cold, what, alright, so sorry, I'm gonna stop doing that, what's up buddy, the crowd goes mild, and I'm joined as always by my co-host, by tag team brother, if you will, by God, he is my best friend, and not just a cheap knockoff Chuck Taylor cosplayer, it's Will Rab, ladies and gentlemen, Rab, how we doing this morning, noon, or after evening? I'm doing good, man. I thought for a second there you were gonna go full into the 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 Good Brothers uh, talking shop, uh, <laughs> a toothless stone coal, which literally that po- the 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 podcast they just did with talk talk is Jericho, where they had the Good Brothers talking shop. I literally that was that that made me pee my pants. It was so funny because they're great having episode. a cogent Such- conversation. And then some, some, you know, somebody just randomly starts acting like toothless Stone Cold. So y'all say what? Stone Cold Steve Austin over here drinking some Coors Light. I would like to drink some Tito's vodka, like the Good Brothers, or some Grey Goose, like Y2J Chris Jericho. By the way, this is not a uh, paid endorsement. Check out Talking Shopamania dropping November thirteenth, fifteen dollars on Fight TV. Yes. Hopefully by that point, Good Brother Rab will have watched the first Talking Shopamania because I would love to well talk some shop about talking shop mania but that is a different podcast in the future but you didn't but like like buddy it's been a hot minute since we've talked things yep. going good in your neck of the woods hey things are going good uh pretty good in, in my neck of the woods we're in the the thick of uh football season over here so i'm glad we're able to just get some time blocked out uh, that we can talk some wrestling i'm not having to drop like a spot chart or tape an interview or do something uh, right now, because we're hot and heavy in the middle of it. Yeah, the pains of being good at your job is you're in high demand, and by God, good brother Rab, he's not hes not just a good brother, he is actually good at his job. So glad you were able to uh, block some time out, as you said, to talk about the sweet science of professional wrestling. We're going to touch on a handful of things. Uh, I would like to think the good is going to be on the back end of this episode, but there's going to be some yep. good and bad talking in the world of all elite wrestling but at the top we teased it on our last episode of near fall radio it was a subject we didn't want to get into until the dust settled so to speak and it seems like the dust has settled enough that it feels like we're comfortable talking about it and the term independent contractor has come into the spotlight here recently as the wwe has uh over the last couple of months, decided to say to their performers who technically are independent contractors, uh, they have to cease and desist when it comes to third-party streaming platforms. That includes Twitch, TikTok, Cameo. It seems like YouTube is still kind of a gray area because Xavier Woods' very successful Up, Up, Down, Down gaming channel on YouTube seems to continue going though there has been some reports that wwe actually owns up up down down so i don't know if that is the case but uh there was a letter sent out about a month ago uh from vince mcmahon saying quote some of you are engaged in outside 30 part 
third parties using your names and likenesses in ways that are detrimental to our company. It is imperative that these activities be terminated within the next 30 days, which was this past Friday, uh, Friday, October the 2nd. Continued violations will result in fines, suspensions, or terminations at WWE's discretion. Now, some people were saying that uh, this might be the issue of AJ Styles revealing on his Twitch channel that he battled COVID-19, recently released uh, WWE superstar and Mrs. John Moxley, Renee Young, recently confirmed that the company wasn't happy when she actually revealed her diagnosis on social media. But there's been an update since then. That See, that was where it laid when Rab and I said, you know what, we're going to wait for this to shake out a little bit further before we comment because... Oh boy, it's gotten a whole lot worse, at least in my opinion. Um, Reports have come out that the WWE plans to take over Twitch accounts uh, from their performers, and not only that, take a part of the revenue they bring in from their Twitch streams, and not only that, it counts against their downside guarantee. Uh, This comes from Wrestling Inc., uh, quote, in September, McMahon issued an edict instructing talent they can no longer engage in third parties. The company later uh, clarified the edict, stating that talent could maintain Twitch and YouTube accounts under their real names. However, they would still need to inform the company of those actions. Wrestling Inc. also learned that talent were told this week that the company will be taking control of their Twitch accounts in four weeks. WWE will own those accounts. However, talent will receive a percentage of the revenue, which counts against their downside guarantees. And on top of that, there are now reports that this is no longer an optional thing for talent. This is now a mandatory thing where talent has to participate in streaming through Twitch. And if they don't choose to do so, they can be uh, fined. They can be suspended. And I would imagine they could even be fired if that if that issue was to uh, go that far. So, um, Rab, holy shit. This makes me so damn mad, Dawes. So mad. Because it's stupid. And as if Vince McMahon didn't have enough money already. He's got to squeeze every last drop out of every penny of anybody he comes across. Um, here's an idea, Vince. Don't be shitty at your job and you won't literally lose hundreds of millions of dollars in personal money uh, doing stupid things like restarting the XFL and, <laughs> again, being shitty at your day job uh, of booking a professional wrestling promotion. Then you wouldn't have to squeeze money out of people out of Twitch and Cameo, which, again, I would argue just helps you in the long run because these people come become more popular and, and then you make the money on the backside selling T-shirts. Like, this yeah. is just... Mm-hmm. This is just... So... Shitty from Vince McMahon. So shitty. Not only 
that I I feel like it's also petty and and wrestlers are reacting the same way. Uh, this is Cage Side Seats reporting. Uh, one wrestler is quoting saying, "This is amazing because it's going to really open up the independent contractor issue. All these small, all these smart attorneys surrounding Vince, and this is the battle that he wants. And it's interesting because it seems like he might be getting a battle. Former presidential candidate uh, Andrew Yang yep. has Yang been gang. Yeah, hashtag Yang Gang has been very vocal about this on Twitter. Quote, uh, this would be infuriating to me if I had spent time building up my social media channel only to have WWE take them over from their quote unquote independent contractors. People are angry and rightfully so. I can't disagree with him. He said a whole lot more. And he's even said, Vince, I'm going to paraphrase him here. Vince, you had better hope that. WWE Hall of Famer Donald Trump stays in power because if not, Andrew Yang is going to talk to uh, Joe Biden about this, and there might be a full blown investigation about this. And and it's like it's it, it's upsetting because uh, there's there's been at least one WWE superstar, NXT superstar, undisputed era member Roderick Strong went to Twitter on October 1st saying it was quote it was fun while it lasted but tomorrow morning my cameo will be gone so get yours while you still can as you hear this recording the deadline has passed but uh it's it, it's 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 I'm very pissed off for all of these performers who did something on their own time to connect with their audience, with their fan base in their own unique way. And it kind of goes back to the whole, uh, we heard Miro talk about this when he debuted on uh, AEW a few weeks ago, the whole grabbing for the brass ring. It's like, guess what? I grabbed for the brass ring, but if I didn't do it in the right way, it doesn't matter. Heck, like, look at Zack Ryder. He got over on his very own with the Z true Long Island Hollywood story. And he was one of the most overacts in the company almost a decade ago. And WWE, like, pretty much gave him pennies when they could have been making dollars. It's just short-sighted from Vince McMahon. And it's just a quick money grab because, again, his business is crumbling around him. Which technically, no, hold on, let me jump in here. Technically, they had record gains this year, despite the fact that they had to come off the road, despite the fact that they couldn't go over to Saudi Arabia for blood money in the sand, whatever iteration it is this year. So yeah. they're still making a whole lot of money. But yeah, like, like yeah, very frustrating. Well... They're in the same situation that NASCAR is in. They were able to trick NBC Universal and Fox into giving them a lot of money for delivering programming, and that's what's keeping them afloat. Uh, just kind of, again, like what's going on in the NASCAR world, they have pretty good television contracts with NBC and Fox, uh, believe it or not, um, that deliver revenue regardless of what else good that you do. But I mean, the the the. Vince McMahon in the recent history has lost in the hundreds of millions of dollars personally. Mm -hmm. um, and look, the company might, it, it's so tricky. Cause like you look at a stock price and you can say this is profitable and that's profitable. They may be doing good business, but they're not doing well. Week after week, it seems like raw is making new record lows when it comes to viewership. And that's their flagship. Which is the real reason that NXT 
uh, is competing with AEW. Which is unfortunate because they're killing the one good thing they had going for it, Imagine, Look, imagine if NXT didn't suck up half a million viewers and AEW had 1.3 million people watching it every week. Mm. Meanwhile, Raw was drawing 1.7. Oof, 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 oof. <laughs> so, look, again, Vince McMahon is one of those people, and there's a certain class of people out there, and again, we don't want to steer this politically, but read between the lines, dumbasses. <laughs> there's a certain class of people where enough is never enough. Vince McMahon is a real-life Montgomery Burns. He might be he might be worse. He might be a worse person than Montgomery Burns. Um and this is just this may and I hope it does. It real I really hope this does lay bare the business environment, the operating environment of the WWE because of course they can make a ton of money. Again, when your talent are in, technically independent contractors, no health insurance, no benefits. And I'm not saying the WWE doesn't take care of people, but there's nothing that forces them to take care of people. Uh, and then you talk about, you know, for the, the folks who may not understand the lingo, the downside guarantees basically your base contract. It's just like having a minimum salary in a sports league. And a sports league says, well, the minimum you can pl- pay somebody on the active roster is this however many hundred thousand dollars. And it might literally be a hundred thousand. It might literally be seventy-five, fifty, a hundred thousand dollars that the WWE pays you for all this. But then they're going to take their greedy hands and basically count your Twitch money and say, "Well, you made you know uh, ten thousand dollars off of Twitch, so we're only going to give you forty thousand of your guarantee, mm-hmm. or we're only going to give you ninety thousand of your hundred thousand dollar downside guarantee," which is just crappy because the whole point of that of them doing Twitch or you know. We do this podcast, and it doesn't do huge numbers, but if it was to blow up one day, uh, Apple or wherever we host a podcast, the stuff I do at work on WCDTs on Audioboom, Audioboom will pay you if you hit a certain amount of numbers. It's the same thing with YouTube. There's paid stuff you can do on top of something, and it may not bring in a ton of revenue, but it brings in extra revenue. That's the whole point, extra revenue for extra work and hustle. Mm-hmm. And the the WWE is sticking their hand in in the cookie jar for no reason because like you said if you want to get technical about it I don't think their business is actually that healthy it's propped up by these TV contracts but they're bringing they're bringing in money hand over fist because NBC and Fox give them a lot of money and the and Saudi Arabia too so <laughs> so, well yeah there's literal blood money being poured uh-huh. into the WWE there's no re- there's no reason to to do this and it'd be one thing to say hey we want to clear things through the office or we want a cut of this i even think it's crappy to want a cut of it but to either make them shut it down or then force everybody to do it that's it them forcing everybody to do it just so vince can you know again stack a couple more pennies and be petty about you know again like i say squeeze every drop out of every dime is is just insane to me. That's worse than not letting them do it independently. Is making people do it. They've completely shit the bed on this. 
Yeah, and I I don't disagree with anything you said. And it's like, especially with the extra hustle for the extra payoff. And it's like you put your blood, you put your blood, your sweat, your tears into this project. I already made reference to Xavier Woods with his very successful channel on YouTube, Up Up Down Down. If you're a gamer and a wrestling fan, I highly suggest you check it out. Another WWE personality that is really put the hustle and the work into it is Paige, uh, who now after all these edicts has come out, has uh, gone and started rebranding herself with her real name, Soraya, the real name, uh, Soraya Knight. She went on Twitter the other day, October 5th, as Uh a matter of fact, with the simple tweet that said, learned a lot about unionism today, which I Mm. mean, that could be a tweet that has nothing to do with the conversation we're having here, but at the same time, you'd be ignorant to think it has nothing to do with that conversation. Exactly. And Paige has been very outspoken uh, since this edict came down in September that she is not giving up crap. She is not letting the WWE take control of anything that she has put her work into. She too has a very successful Twitch channel. Uh, and she, she's even gone to the steps of rebranding the page mania, uh, logos and imaging that she has on her Twitch channel to Soraya mania. And it's interesting that this is conversations coming up, especially with former democratic candidate, Andrew Yang kind of talking about the same thing, unionizing in wrestling where, I mean, this isn't the first time this has come up back in the eighties. Jesse Ventura kind of talked about, forming a wrestling union, and if you believe the stories, uh, Hulk Hogan stooged him out to Vince McMahon and got uh, Jesse fired and was blacklisted uh, through the WWE for a long time. Granted, he did come back, as everybody who has been quote-unquote blacklisted by Vince McMahon ends up coming back if there's some if money to make. make you money. Exactly, yep. And, and it's interesting because uh, there are some current... Uh, Performers on the WWE roster that uh, responded to Paige's tweet, uh, Zelina Vega responded with the uh, scratching the chin emoji followed by hmm, and then AEW or newly signed AEW star Matt Seidel uh, said he was talking to somebody else about the same thing the other day. Rab, do you think we're going to see a union in wrestling in our lifetime? Uh, if it happened anywhere, it would probably happen in AEW, but then again, you probably don't need a union in AEW because for the most part, and again, he's not perfect. Tony Khan's had his carny moments. That's just part of the business. What's up, Matt Hardy, uh, (laughs) at at all out, uh, if anywhere, the place they'd be open to it was AEW, but again, I don't know the specifics of of every contract, but I, I don't think technically they treat them like independent contractors, unless maybe it's a spot thing in AEW, right? Like they, Tony Khan was talking about giving people health insurance and stuff like that. I mean, yeah, so. it, it, as far as I know, in AEW, uh, they do offer health insurance. They do offer benefits. And I do want to clarify, uh, Matt Seidel was tagging uh, Jen Perlman, who is, well, is a political person. So much like yeah. the Andrew Yang aspect of it, that might have more something to do that. She's an activist and a lawyer for the uh, 
Bernie Sanders, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez wing of the Democratic Party. So, uh, you know, do with that what you will. I, I do I do think you are right that if there is going to be a union, it would be more on the AEW side of it. But I don't know if they necessarily need that. In the WWE, yes, they definitely need somebody protecting their back, so to speak. Well, and look, look, you do see unions... Uh, in a lot of sports at the same time, uh, again, to draw a comparison, uh, cause they're kind of similar, this traveling circus that goes up and down the road. Uh, NASCAR's never had, uh, unions and they've snuffed out attempts at driver's unions in the past. Uh, and I would say right now they have a pretty good, uh, relationship. Uh, between the drivers, the the owners, and NASCAR, like at least they kind of you know they have dialogue about issues that are going on. I'm not saying it's perfect, uh, so you don't have to have a union that's collectively bargained for things to function. Though most of the major professional sports do. Um, and, and let me say this: in fairness to WWE, uh, understand back in the day why you would declare talent independent contractors because you may have. Uh, someone come in and say, hey, we have this idea. We want you to debut here, and you're going to make your debut here, and you're going to work through WrestleMania, and then that's what we have for you. And there's plenty of other uh, promotions you can go work for, uh, and you're free to go work for them uh, once you've uh, worked the dates we've agreed to. We're going to pay you X hundred thousand dollars for you know two months of work, and then you go do whatever you want to do. And you can go to the territories, and you can go show up on WCW, and go to NWA, and and all that. It doesn't work in this era anymore. Because if the WWE signs you, they want to sign you for four or five years, and the only place you can work is the WWE. And in many cases, at least on a major level, it is kind of the same thing in AEW. I mean, you know, you see Brian Cage, Mr. Get His Shit In, tweeting about indie shows he's going to do, and there are some <laughs> carve-outs in those contracts. But in an era where they're expecting you to sign a contract to where you're only going to appear on a major, and by major I mean televised wrestling promotion, you're only going to appear you know, on one promotion. Like Matt Hardy's not going to do guest spots on TNA or Ring of Honor. Uh, he's signed to AEW. At least not uh, now. Yeah, not now. Though there has been some talks with a uh, new president being installed in New Japan who seems to be more open to a uh, to a relationship with All Elite Wrestling. But again, that's that's an international that's a little, thing. That's a, that's a little different. That's international, you know. And doesn't have a major uh, stake in American television. At least yes. not now. They don't, and even look. They're always Chris Jericho's worked in New Japan for years, and guys have gone in New Japan. Moxley, and you, Moxley, and you could, you could go to, you could go to Vince, and you could say, "Hey, can I have?" You're not. We don't have any plans right now. So if if I'm off TV for a minute, which is a good thing every now and again for guys to take a break. Mm -hmm. What if I go to New Japan and do this, and Vince would be okay with it? Which I mean, yeah, that he, that, that used to happen back do, in the day. Yeah, he's he's not gonna let you go do an indie show at the Franklin County <laughs> Fair because then why would I go pay money to see Chris Jericho at Bridgestone Arena when he's gonna show up at the free wrestling at the fairgrounds down here? But um, 
there's exceptions to rules, but I understand why the system was how it was at one time because you had these guys moving from territory to territory and you would do a job for a booker and if he had two months of work for you, you'd do that. Or you might wrestle in uh, Dixie Wrestling on Tuesday night and be at Bayou Wrestling on uh, Thursday night and then you're in Lone Star Wrestling on Saturday night and you just went up and down the road. But again, when you're holding guys to independent contracts, when you're asking – or to exclusive contracts, you're asking them to work 250 days a year. They're not really independent contractors. <laughs> and, and trust me, I understand this rather well, folks. My wife is a fitness instructor at one of the local gyms, and they pay her a a rate. I'm not going to get into what they pay her, but they – you know pay her a small amount of money and she teaches a fitness class once or twice a week and she gets paid X amount of dollars per every class that she teaches. They don't give her benefits. It's a side hustle. The main benefit is we don't have to pay to use the gym. Like we get a free gym membership and a little bit of extra money at the end of the month that usually pays for the stuff she has to buy to teach the class. But then she moonlights as the Lady Bulldog and defends her woman's intercontinental championship this Sunday night. Sorry. <laughs> My point is, though, <laughs> uh, that the, the gym that she's the fitness instructor for isn't asking her to do all this ridiculous stuff. And if they do ask her to do something uh, – Outside the scope of that, she says, no, I'm not your employee. I'm an independent contractor. You're paying me to come teach a class. So you can't do that when you're under WWE contract. And even if they, uh, you know, quote unquote, release you from your contract, they're still going to hold you to that non-compete. And there's all these stuff <laughs> that make it where it's not fair for the contractor to be the independent contractor and it's not really an independent contractor situation because if I'm an independent contractor, yeah, I'm doing gigs for you. But if I want to stop doing gigs for you, like I'm free and clear. It, it's a system that's being manipulated, uh, again, to line the pockets of Vince McMahon and the WWE shareholders to make them as profitable as possible because they're skirting having to do things. Yep. And I, I – I, I I agree with your point. It worked back in the day, so to speak, because there were other places to go. But now in 2020, and especially with the, uh, I guess, demands of a full-time contract for the WWE, I don't think the independent contractor tag works. And who knows if we'll see unionization in wrestling. That'll be a different podcast for a different time. Also, I didn't mean to out your lovely wife as the Lady Bulldog, the Intercontinental Women's Champion, but that that's does not tie even, us. That's not even true, though, Dawes, because she's Slayana. Oh, excuse me. Well, well, n now who's keeping it kayfabe? But regardless, that ties us into our next story. Uh Oh, wow, this uh, this first segment's been kind of a downer because uh, a couple days ago, Netflix uh, released the news that Glow, the gorgeous ladies of wrestling, uh, they were currently shooting their fourth season, their their final season, as it were. Uh, unfortunately, 
that season is not going to make it to air uh, as Netflix has announced the cancellation of Glow. Uh, this is a bummer. Like, not only as a wrestling fan did I enjoy this show, just a fan of good television. I mean, the cast, uh, Allison Brie, uh, Betty Giplin, Mark, uh, Mark Marin, like, yep. uh, actual wrestler Awesome Kong. Like, I loved this cast. I loved Glow Rab. This sucks. The fact that we're not getting any more Glow. Yeah, because the wife and I enjoy Glow as well. And that's how I kind of. That's kind of how I taught her uh, about wrestling is, you know, explaining, hey, what they're doing here and this and that and the other. Uh, This is how it works. And she even kind of got into it. Like, I think I kind of had to sell her on watching Glow at the beginning. I'm like, it's really good. And it's like a thing that actually happened. There's a, a documentary somewhere. Is it on Netflix? Uh, it about used the to actual be on gorgeous... Netflix. I, I think it's floating around somewhere on YouTube. Don't quote just, me on that. Just go Google Glow. You can you find, find it, I assure you. <laughs> it's on the internet somewhere. You can find it. Um, But... It's it, like you said. They told a good story. Uh, they, they, they. I think they is really a, a great illustration of what it's like to try to get a wrestling promotion off the ground. It was funny. It was entertaining. It mm-hmm. was really good. And it is a shame that it's. It's a shame that it, it's not uh, continuing. Yeah. Um, it's a shame that. They let them go start shooting the fourth season and then decided no. And if, like, again, if you're Netflix, what are you doing? No kidding. You're Netflix. Like, like everybody's been staying the damn home since back in March. They've been paying you money and watching nothing but your programming. I mean, come on. And especially since, since they've started shooting season four, uh, star Allison Brie actually back in March, right before the entire world got on fire and shut down. Uh, she she put on her social media a picture of the ring of them getting back into glow and and like this is such a bummer because Netflix does cite the whole COVID situation making it difficult to shoot this show uh, to get it done. Like what is what's 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 the what's the rush Netflix like like let it get done when it get done or hell you know what if you want to get it done now. Move the move the entire damn operation to Florida because that's where the rest of the wrestling world is currently shooting live television. Because Florida is letting no, you do anything right there's now. There's no rules in Florida. There's exactly never been because any Governor rules Ron DeSantis is a dumbass. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Although he is keeping the wrestling business afloat because he deemed it essential. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. Um. It's just just disappointing that Glow's not going to come back. We knew it was going to be the last season, um, and it probably didn't need more than a fourth season to tie everything up, honestly. But they didn't they didn't tie up all the loose ends at the end of season three. I will say though, and, and, you know, because it'll go off of Netflix eventually, probably. Uh, go find it if you haven't. Like each season's only like ten or eleven episodes, and it's they're thirty minutes. They're thirty minutes, so it's a quick watch. Um, I, I'm I'm disappointed in that one. I kind of figured it would be delayed, but again, I don't understand what Netflix is in a hurry about. Because, like, honestly, they need good original content that already has a following. Because, like, I find myself watching less and less Netflix. Like I, I, I wait until 
somebody says, hey, have you seen that show or have you seen this documentary? No, where is that? It's on Netflix. Like it's not the go-to that it once was. And part of that's not their fault because all these other streaming services have popped up. Yeah, Peacock taken, came along and stole my Parks and Recreations. Those yeah, bastards. Peacock sold Parks and Rec and, and stuff like that, um, which I would totally have Peacock and watch stuff with the ads if they would just get it on the fire stick. And it's the same thing. I'd probably buy HBO Max if they would just get me get me in on the Fire Stick. But fair enough, uh, they haven't. So uh, there you go. I had Peacock downloaded. And I have an account because there's like some original shows I want to watch, but they won't get it on the Fire Stick. So uh, anyway, I mean, I got Peacock, but like, I'm sorry if I'm paying for this damn service. It's the same thing with Hulu. Like, if I'm paying you money, like, I don't want to watch damn ads, especially when it comes to park and rec- Parks and Recreations, and it just came off Netflix, and I didn't have to suffer through your damn ads. Sorry, I'm going off on a tangent. Rab, get in here. Yeah, it is what it is. Like, I wish Hulu <laughs> didn't have ads. I'm not paying extra for the Hulu with no ads. No kidding. So, it is what it is. Um the only service that's allowed to not have anything I need until I need it at that moment is Disney Plus. But like Netflix, you gotta have you gotta have a reason to keep me coming back. And there's gonna be a couple of your original shows uh, that are gonna finish up here soon, and I'm not gonna need you anymore. So you better figure it out. But like again, the only thing that's allowed to sit there and me not watch it for six months is Disney Plus because at Christmas there's Christmas movies on there. Uh, and then they do things like, oh, you, you you weren't able to sell your kidney and your firstborn to get in to see Hamilton? You can watch <laughs> Hamilton for hey, free on Disney+. Mm-hmm. Plus. Yep. On July 4th, when Hamilton dropped, my mom said, hey, do you want to come over? I'll make some food and just bring your Disney+, Plus so I can watch The Hamilton. And I quote on that one. The Hamilton. <laughs> so yeah, that's the only streaming service that's allowed to be completely completely useless until it's not, if that makes sense. Hey, baby, they they got Mandalorian, and Mandalorian Season 2 is dropping in October starring uh, WWE superstar Sasha Banks. Uh, real quick, I want to get into uh, some of the reactions from the cast of GLOW. We already mentioned how COVID is the reason Netflix has decided to pull the plug on this show, though some are saying because everybody got super pumped on Cobra Kai, funding had to go there. I'm not going to get into that speculation. Uh, star Rebecca Johnson in full caps, wear a mask, which I think is a sentiment both Rab and I can uh, get behind. Yeah, wear your damn mask. Mm-hmm. Uh, star Allison Bree said, going to miss this cast forever. Grateful to my Glow family for changing my life forever. Uh, star Mark Marin in one tweet said, no more Glow. Sorry, stinks. Though he has said he would love to see a uh, two-hour movie to wrap it up if they're not going to get the full uh, season that they were promised. And there is a hashtag Save Glow movement going on on social media so as we've already seen in this world of streaming services just because something's been canceled in one place doesn't mean it's necessarily done so fingers crossed on no that. and look fans going on twitter or social media or mm-hmm. wherever and saying they want things make your voice heard very very powerful um there's a couple of uh food network uh programs that are kind of retro, or one in particular I'm a fan of, the Out and Brown Good Eats program. 
uh, which if you're just a fan of television, you should just watch that if you're a TV nerd because he does cool TV nerd stuff and you can <laughs> learn how to cook. Uh, they keep bringing that back on limited runs because fans go on Twitter and go at Food Network, hey, we want good eats. And so they just will say, hey, you cool. We're going to make like six episodes. So y'all stop tweeting us. <laughs> and then people keep, hey, we want more good eats. Hey, here's another six episodes. Y'all shut up. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I mean, it works. Mm-hmm. Uh, anyway. Uh, for once in your life, use your social media for good and get us some more glow. God dang it. Uh, let's see. Uh, and then I'm going to close it out with uh, Kimmy Gatewood also on glow. Devastated. Hashtag save glow. So uh, hashtag save hashtag glow. Hashtag save glow. Yeah. Like that's going to be our first takeaway from this first segment. Uh, after the break. We're going to try and liven the mood a little bit, though. We're also going to talk about some bad. We're going to talk about the best of and the worst of when it comes to Dynamite. Because guess what, ladies and gentlemen? AEW's Dynamite turned a year old not that long ago. So, Rab and I, we're going to look back on it on the other side of the break. And normally, when we bump to the break, we play some wrestling music. But, unfortunately, the uh, rock world lost a god here recently in Eddie Van Halen. So uh, I'm going to roll the dice and hope I don't get a copyright hit by dropping some Van Halen here in the break. So uh, Rab, buddy, hang with me on the other side. We'll talk about some all elite wrestling. How does that sound? That sounds good, brother. All right. Uh, Keep it locked, even though it's a podcast. We already got your download. I don't care. This is Near Fall Radio. Ladies and gentlemen, it's Near Fall Radio. R.I.P. Eddie Van Halen. Mm. Dawes, what's your favorite Van Halen song? Um, I know that's like asking what your favorite beer is. <laughs> uh, I, I like to celebrate the entire catalog. Now, uh, yes, I, I I love the energy that uh, Panama has. But yes, like if I had to choose one, and this is going to go against the answer I gave on uh, my day job, the Phil Show, News Talk ninety eight seven WOKR radio station locally here in Knoxville, Tennessee. Uh, I I'm gonna go hot for teacher with the way they open with the little little drum uh, burst yep. that, and then and then Eddie comes in that and 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 he just fingers up and down the keys with with the finger whammies. Uh huh. Mm. That's a good one. What about you? Uh, I'll say so. Honorable mention, hot for teacher. Honorable mention, Panama. Uh, honorable mention, eruption. So good. God, yeah, eruption. That's just him, like, that's just him uh, screwing around on the guitar. Yep. I really like their. I like. I like their cover that they go in off of that. Of uh, really got me now. Uh, like seriously, the best like, cover. 
Let me just say this on Eddie Van Halen. Like, Eddie Van Halen is one of these rock gods that stands alone. Like, I've, I've heard people say he was the Hendrix of his generation. I, I know that's them paying a compliment to Eddie Van Halen. I think he stands alone. He is the Van Halen of his generation. Like, yes. Eddie Van Halen could do things with six strings that nobody else on this planet that's ever walked it before him, that has ever walked it after him, will ever be able to do. Eddie Mm -hmm. Van Halen changed the face of music, and I can't even imagine what music would sound like, what music would look like without the pioneer, without the titan that was Eddie Van Halen. So uh, uh, yeah, ugh. and just imagine if they hadn't wasted if he and David Lee Roth haven't hadn't wasted time <laughs> fighting with each other. Yeah, yeah, I mean that's uh, that's rock and roll though, right? That is rock and roll. It's two <laughs> uh, titans clashing against each other. It's the whole immovable object running up against the uh, unstoppable force. Yeah, or, yeah exactly. Okay, and, so that's really good. Uh, if I ask my parents, they'd probably tell me running with the devil. That, the that's intro a great running one. with the devil is great. My favorite, and I'm not saying it's the best Van Halen song, but Jump. Oh, probably not the best Van Halen song, but, but maybe you might as well some, jump. I love me some Jump, and it ties into to broadcasting. Dodge, you might not be familiar with him because he was a, a Nashville. Uh, sports radio icon. He's still doing a show because he'll retire for a little while then get bored and pop back up somewhere. George Plaster, and I think his intro song to this day is Jump by Van Halen. So that's my favorite Van Halen song because I you know, get to listen to some Van Halen and then you get those feels. You start remembering of being a kid when you first discovered like sports radio and what you wanted to do mm-hmm. and it all ties together. So all the other honorable mentions that I mentioned are probably actually better Van Halen songs, but the sentimental nature of Jump puts it number one on the list. But this is a wrestling podcast, so we're talking about <laughs> awesome stuff. No, I'm willing uh, to bet a bunch of wrestlers have a lot of positive things to say about Eddie Van Halen. Yes. Because when those wrestlers were imagining what their entrance theme songs were going to be growing up in the 80s, I guarantee you, almost Every one of them at one point thought, yep, I'm going to have a Van Halen theme song when I walk out because yep. Van Halen kicked ass. All right, so what Van, if you had to pick a Van Halen song to be your walk-up song? <laughs> I'm going to go with my answer from the previous question. It's going to be hot for teacher. I'm going to have that drum build up. I'm going to have that Eddie like, wow. And then here comes... Sexy Dr. Landon. <laughs> he is a professor in sociology and love. <laughs> it, see, if, if I was a wrestler, I would be able to have the extra extended intro like Cody Rhodes. So I would just have eruption. Or Triple H. Or Triple H. <laughs> uh, different sides of the same coin. That's a different podcast. I think I might just have like eruption or Panama might not be bad, depending on what the character was. Panama would, it would be a good one because, I mean, like it's high energy from the very beginning. Like, like get the crowd going, you know. Right now, which is the some of not David Lee Roth Van Halen is another good Van Halen song with a good intro. Anyway, there's right, a lot yeah, of good Van Halen that's a songs. Good one. Human Beings is another, uh, I believe that is uh, Van Hagar. That's another good one. 
Yeah. Van Hagar was good enough. Like, you could literally, you could have had named them Van Hagar, and, like, that band would have yep. gone over. So, anyway, <laughs> speaking of speaking of going over, and again, R.I.P. Eddie Van Halen, cancer sucks. No kidding. Uh, fuck cancer. Fuck like, cancer, dude. Uh. Yeah, like we mentioned, Daz, uh, going to the break, you teased it. First year of Dynamite. Well, I think this week is actually, right, the debut of Dynamite next week, the 14th is the anniversary show. This week is 30 years of Jericho. Uh, that's amazing in and of itself, and that's worthy of its own podcast. So we'll do that another day. We won't try to shoehorn that into a segment. But uh, we're having a discussion. Some of the best things, some of the worst things coming uh, from year one uh, of AEW Dynamite. And I'll just lead it off that we made it through a year of AEW Dynamite despite a pandemic. I think that's one of the good things for the first year of AEW Dynamite. Uh, as the joke is, if you listen to other wrestling podcasts, everybody in the business knows some, you know, uh, silent billionaire who's going to fund a wrestling promotion and they're going to have major network television. And it's a joke at this point, but Tony Khan actually did it. Tony Khan, the Bucks, Cody. They actually, the the rest of the elite, they actually did it. So that's the best part of year one of mm-hmm. AEW. Definitely got to give them kudos because, I mean, who would have uh, predicted a worldwide pandemic in their very first year? And they rolled with the punches. They uh, went with the roster they had available. They made some new stars, at least in my opinion. And um, based on some other podcasts, your opinion as well, Rab, uh, they made some new stars and... They, they they kept the ship afloat. I'm not saying every week of the Nightmare Factory tapings was, you know, five-star matches and it would have been six stars if it was in uh, the Tokyo Dome. But, but, but they kept the momentum going forward and they kept the stories going forward. They gave us some really good matches. The uh, Kenny Omega, Sammy Guevara match comes to mind. But it's like, yeah, like kudos to y'all for making it a year especially. Especially with this whole damn COVID thing going on. Absolutely. And again, you will get more into, because definitely, I think one of the best things to come out of the COVID situation was what they did at the Nightmare tapings. But to get, again, the, the conversation rolling beyond, hey, congratulations, AEW, you made it a year. It's working. People are engaged. You're hitting the right numbers. Not that we get obsessed with ratings, but you're, you're. Le Demo Gods is here to talk about the ratings. And apparently Le Demo God is French now. What's up, dude? Are you the Swedish chef now or whatever? <laughs> no, I am French. Yeah, French. <laughs> uh, no, congratulations, Le Champion. You, you proved you can get anything over even stupid stuff like being the million viewer man in the demo god. But, yeah. uh, <laughs> That's definitely – can we just go say one of the worst things of the year? And look, it's not everything Jericho does, but some of the stuff that they've decided to put on television when you should just – you say you, you say you're not paying attention to what they're doing, but then you know, you're know you bragging about stuff like that. Um, that's some, that That's not supposed to be part of your character. That's like something that like Tony Schiavone like subtly like mentions. Hey, by the way. AEW trending worldwide right now or uh viewers we appreciate you we hit a you know uh 
whatever, you know, don't talk about we ratings, hit a milestone. But make it part of yeah. your it, instead of putting it on his uh, lower graphic instead of giving him, oh, so many dumb nicknames and giving him merchandise with said dumb nicknames. It's like I. Like Chris Jericho, when it's all said and done, he is—he literally might be the greatest of all time when it comes to professional wrestling. But there's a there, there's been some stuff over this past year that makes me kind of roll my eyes a little bit, yeah, and and, uh, and 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 it all I think revolves around the whole ratings thing because it's like you know the only person that really should care about the ratings in the AEW world. Tony Khan. Tony Khan. Exactly. Yeah. The one person cutting the paychecks, he's the one that should be cared what they're pulling in on TNT. And I guess TNT should also care about that too. But it's like to make that part of your character, it's like, and yes, I understand he's a heel. So maybe that's that's what works a little bit because at the same, like we dislike him talking about the ratings and it adds to him being a heel and being obnoxious. But I think he could do that anyway because before he got into the whole demo god stuff like he was having such a good run just being mm-hmm. like champion and a little bit of the bubbly a little bit of the bubbly a little bit of the bubbly definitely part Ooh. of the best best part of year <laughs> 1 of AEW although that wasn't a dynamite thing uh, uh. the bubbly uh so it's been over a year of AEW overall um but one of the things and this was an early part of the dynamite run, and I think it helped to establish something that AEW values. And I think one of the best things of dynamite is that AEW values dynamite. I don't always feel like the WWE values their weekly television beyond just slogging you to the next network special. And I'm not even going to call it a pay-per-view at this point. The, like Raw is just a vehicle to, and SmackDown is just a vehicle to pimp stuff and then make you go sign up for the network to see the payoff. And it doesn't do and, that good of a job of it. Like, it'd be one thing if it was really good storylines, because, like, I even remember that. Like, when I was a kid, we all remember tuning in. Like, every time I hear Always by Saliva, I think about Triple H beating the piss out of Sh- Shawn Michaels. Mm hmm. In, in the build-up to that pay-per-view they had at Survivor Series in 01 or 02. Or freaking Limp Biscuit with My Way. I, like, like still to this day, whenever I hear that, I can literally picture that video package of The Rock and Stone Cold leading into WrestleMania 17. God. So, it is one thing to build the pay-per-views. It is important. But... One of the best things about Dynamite is AEW values Dynamite, and it was evident from the jump when, what, it was the second week of Dynamite they started the tag team tournament, second, third week? It was very early on, yeah. One of the best things they did in Dynamite early on was they had that tag team tournament, and you crowned a world champion on free television. Mm -hmm. And yes, that counts. Because you're the world tag team champions. Uh, and look, WWE has plenty of singles defenses uh, of the world championship on Dynamite. I'm still waiting for that night. I think that is an important thing for AEW to do at some point. Do it right. It needs to be the right time. Hint, hint, maybe anniversary show. Hint, hint, Lance Archer. 
But well, yeah, uh, that's the plan. Have the title change hands mm-hmm. on free television every now and again, and AEW's not been afraid uh, to do that. Uh, with the very first week, with the very first episode, they had the world title match for the women's side too. So uh, I'm going to kind of lump that together. We'll get back to the Nightmare Factory tapings. They had the TNT tournament played out on television. One of the best things AEW's done on Dynamite is value Dynamite and giving us. Paper, not only pay-per-view level cards, because we had Fight for the Fallen and Fighter Fest and mm-hmm. Bash at the Beach and the Jericho Cruise. Like, no, the Jericho bad. Cruise mm-hmm. could, I mean, maybe is the weaker of those, but if, you know, pre-AEW, it had spread around that through, like, Fight TV or wherever for, like, 15 bucks, just like with Talking shop mania which is meant to be the shittiest pay-per-view of all time. <laughs> the shittiest pay-per-view you've ever seen now. It's not good shit, pal. It's not. <laughs> and trust me, I would know. I would know of good shit. Um, it, like the Jericho cruise, if they figured out the logistics of that, and he's like, hey, I'm going to take over this cruise ship and let's say maybe for more than 15 bucks, but for like 40 bucks, uh, you get to watch this wrestling card, then Fozzie and friends are going to perform. Like we would buy that. So for that have to been... A week of free television on AEW Dynamite, and that you know what, like they were uh, two, three months into television, mm-hmm. and they put that, that on a cruise ship. Now, I mean, it was taped. They were not; they were smart enough to not try to send that live, but to be able to pull off the le- that level of production. So, the good free cards we've had, the free matches that we get every week when you tune into Dynamite, you know. You're going to get a banger mat, a banger match in that uh, A slot, opening things up. I mean, WWE would make you pay, uh, buy a pay per view to see Darby Allen and Ricky Starks, and that led Dynamite last week. Yeah, that was that was the opening match, and it's like I I wouldn't say that the Jarrah Cruz was the worst of the special matches. I would say that's Bash at the Beach because other than having a fun name, it really didn't feel like. That special of a card, unless I'm missing something off the top of my head. But it's, no, you're not. I just I didn't want to oversell that everyone. Yeah, like, okay, all right, you know, yeah. Fight for, I, 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 I get that. Like I get with, that. With, with fight, you know, with Fighter Fest because it was two weeks. They had to do it pretty quickly, coming out of whatever pay per view it was before that double or nothing. Uh, they had to build quickly. But they did coming out of Memorial Day, and they built to Fighter Fest, Fourth uh, of July week and the week after that. They built that like it mm-hmm. was a pay per view, and then just kind of kept the momentum going in a fight for the phone. Yeah, absolutely. So. And, and and I will say it's like like I'm I'm quote unquote bagging on Bash at the Beach, but every one of the quote unquote special dynamites we've gotten has felt like a big deal. It it feels like the old school clash of the champion cards that WCW would put together back in the day where, you know what, it isn't, it isn't on pay-per-view, but at the same time, it's going to be on Saturday night, 605 TBS, but it's like they're, they're still putting it in their main time slot. So I appreciate that. And it's like, I do think that for the most part, Dynamite year one has had more hits than misses. You talked about the Nightmare Factory tapings and like there's another match I really want to highlight. It's the the Sheeta versus Britt Baker match mm-hmm. where Britt Baker got her nose broken. And I really felt like that's where the Britt Baker character 
really kind of came alive. She'd been kind of teasing. She'd already turned to heel a little bit. But from that moment where she smiled with her just like bloody mouth and blood dripping out of her mouth, it's like, okay, this is what's up. AEW realized that. They immediately, the next day, made a t-shirt out of it that I, I, I think you can still get on a, or shopaew.com. And it's like, that. Like I, I love the fact that... The, when when they're situ- when they're kind of up against the wall, so to speak, especially when it came to the uh, the Nightmare Factory tapings, like you have a fraction of your roster, and you have to film four weeks of TV in the span of a couple days. Like I like I, I know there are some people that didn't necessarily like what they did. I was a big fan of the Nightmare Factory tapings. I wasn't to go back to Britt Baker again. It. It's why you have to have people who are not afraid to step up to the plate and swing the bat. Like, like anybody, like I could go stand there and who, who's the guy who's throw, who, who throws the hardest in, in Major League Baseball? It's still Chapman, right? Believes. Like I can go stand in the batter's box and never take the bat off my shoulder, and I can face three pitches from a Rawlness Chapman, and he'll strike me out in three pitches. I can't get up there and get a hit off of him. Uh, AEW has people who are number one, they're given the green light to swing when they see the pitch they need to swing on. That's a great thing from the first year plus of this organization. We're getting close to, to two years of AEW, which is crazy to believe um, as a company. But they have people who are, one, given the freedom to be able to swing the bat, and two, can execute it. And so you have Britt Baker. And she sees that, and she realizes her nose was broken. She keeps the match going. Uh, they they get the camera shot on her. She has the right facial expression, which for all I know, she might not even had time to put any thought into that. You just get the honest reaction, and that's a great thing. But she still knew uh, where to look. She knew where to look. You, you get the luck, because they were just going to rotate wrestlers doing commentary in between matches, and then Jericho says, no, I'll drive up to Atlanta. Yep. I'll get in my car and come to Atlanta, and we'll tape 25 hours of television. Once again, the GOAT. The GOAT, and he's there, and he's able to make, uh, you know, he he drops the KISS reference, because he's just the king of, him and the king, Jerry Lawler, are great with the pop culture references, like, that's their commentary style. And then... The folks at Pro Wrestling Tees are nuts to be able to crank out those those T-shirts so quickly uh, <laughs> during a pandemic. It was a perfect confluence of events, and that's just a small example of the Nightmare tapings. I know one of your best uh, things, it's one of my best things as well from Dynamite, and they really got the rocket ship up the backside uh, taping at the Nightmare uh, Factory. Uh, best friends yep. and... Orange Cassidy, absolutely one of, if not the best thing to come out of uh, year one of AEW Dynamite. And we are going to talk about some of our favorite matches coming up here in a moment as well, folks. But overall, just things that expand beyond a match. The emergence of best friends, uh, Big Swole, Sheeta coming out of the night. Again, the Nightmare Factory tapings, while... Ideally, AEW would still be on the road and we'd never have a coronavirus pandemic. Like, if I could trade that tomorrow, I would. But you definitely, the 
having to go see, find out who was with you in the foxhole definitely strengthened AEW for the better. Absolutely. Like, like uh, the names you just rattled off right there, Sheeta, Big Swole, the best friends, those were some of the MVPs of the Nightmare Factory tapings. And we even talked about that when we were talking about those episodes of Dynamite in previous episodes of Near Fall. I would even throw QT Marshall in there. I would throw mm-hmm. Dustin Rhodes, Lance Archer, pretty much anybody that participated in that um, TNT tournament because that was some compelling television yeah we kind of knew where it was going to go just based on where where everybody fell in the brackets but at the same time it was still some compelling television but at the same time it's like the best friends went from being a oh yeah we have uh, we have chuck and trent uh and the guy in the glasses in the tag team division to being now main event players in the whole world of AEW. It's like, like I'm going to go ahead and tell you one of my highlights from Dynamite this past year was just a couple weeks ago. It was the street fight between uh, the best friends and Proud and Powerful. That was such an amazing match, and they they even worked Orange Cassidy into the finish. Like I loved every second of that match. Uh, the fact that they did it in one take. That's amazing uh, that they were able to get everything down and they didn't have to go cut. All right, back it up. We're going to do it from here. Uh, bravo to all five. Uh, and I'll even throw the ref in there. So and and Sue. So all seven uh, participants. Eight, because I think they had a couple refs. OK, all right. Eight. Sounds good. Uh, I, I, I Keith Mitchell, nine. OK, I'm just <laughs> going to say to, to everybody involved in that match, bravo. I thought it was great. And that was uh-huh. one of the most fun things in professional wrestling I've seen on television in a long time. But yes, uh, the best friends were presented with an opportunity. Hey, we're here. We know that y'all need to fill some TV time. So just tell us what to do. We're going to do it. They made the uh, they made the best of their opportunities and they ran with the ball, so to speak, like 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 they said, here's the ball, run with it, go. And I now think that they are power players in the tag team division going forward. And plus, Orange Cassidy, it's like like he had a legitimate main event feud with Chris Jericho. Yeah, and, and came out on the other side smelling like roses. Yeah, he won that years. feud. He he won it two yeah. one. And I would say this. As well, that street fight was great. And that's another, you know, add to the list because it's technically cinematic wrestling because they had to uh, arrange that out in that parking lot. Though I feel bad because Con- Tony Khan's car insurance has gone sky high. <laughs> uh, and I'm a Sue Mark. Uh, I'm going to rescue her from the Dark Order in exchange for cookies. Yeah, she's um, hanging out with those creepy perverts. Ma, stop. Seriously. <laughs> but that's just one. It's probably the best match they've had, and that was great because that was just a straight blood feud, uh, which I think is important to note, wrestling fans. Sometimes it's not always about the straps, but the the best friends at Fight for the Fallen or Fighter Fest, excuse me, uh, that ended up being the main event of the first night, I think, because or the something like that, because one of the nights got messed up with Moxley and all having to be moved. Oh yeah, uh, that was a great match. Like I legitimately believed up until the end, where they hit the 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 V trigger buckshot lariat combination, 
I believed up until the end that the best friends were going to win that match. Mm-hmm. So that's probably, like, if I'm thinking, certainly top five Dynamite matches, but, like, if we're making a list of the best matches in AEW overall in 2020, I mean, obviously the stadium stampede far and away leads the way, but two of probably, well, maybe not the top so. five, but two of the top ten are best friends matches. And that wouldn't have happened without the nightmare tapings because, mm-hmm. you know, just borrow a line from, from FTR, it'd be the stupid comedy wrestlers with the guy with the thumb. Which, damn you, FTR, don't you badmouth uh, the best friends. <laughs> They'll get their brush with greatness soon enough. <sighs> Oh, they're such good heels. I hate them. Such good heels. Uh, <laughs> other things, again, so I mean, the Nightmare tapings, again, overall was great. I thought the feud that, because this is carrying momentum out of the tapings, once they got back to Jacksonville, the feud that Britt Baker had with Big Swole while injured, that just building off of her momentum as a heel uh, going into things before the injury uh, w- was great uh, as well. Daz, we'll get back to some, some maybe big picture things and then get into some stuff that didn't quite hit. I don't think we had specific matches that we thought were the worst. Like I'm not going to do that. Uh, that that I don't I don't like to just you know be crap all over people's uh, work off of one match. But uh, some matches that were really good. We've mentioned a couple with the the the. Uh, best friends, proud and powerful street fight. Uh, the best friends, uh, Hangman, Omega, uh, tag team, uh, title uh, match. This first year of Dynamite, some other matches that stick out for you. Uh, I, I have a handful. The one that comes to mind is going to be off the February 26th episode uh, from this year. It is the Iron Man match between Kenny Omega and the bastard Pac. Which, by the Ooh, way, it's I hope like we can get back soon. Like, God, yeah, just talk about it. it's like, like talk about somebody that's been so missed. Like in Pac, it's like I hate that. Well, not only do I hate the situation for him, I hate the situation for the entire damn world because the entire damn world's on fire. Anyway, um, the match that they gave us on that episode of Dynamite was it had such great psychology. Like uh, Omega was closing in on his first pinfall and then Pac decided hey guess what I'm just gonna mess you up with a chair so guess what you still get the you still get the pinfall here but I'm gonna I'm gonna hurt you uh for the the rest of the match and then how Kenny was able to hang on like I loved the I loved that match another match that I was a big fan of um actually a week before that on the February 19th edition of uh Dynamite which this was all leading to what was supposed to be blood and guts, which I can only imagine what that episode of Dynamite would have been if, you know, once again, the world didn't catch on fire. It's the Cody Wardlow cage match. Which like, will never happen again because Cody says he won't jump <laughs> off a cage like that again. Like, like, yeah, like, like we've talked about this before. It's like AEW needs to work in more of BTE into their storytelling on Dynamite. Cody talking on BTE, it's like, I made a huge mistake. Like, like I, I didn't go to the top of the cage before the match. I get out there, realize the cage is way too tall. I climb up there, 
definitely realize the cage is way too tall, but what can I do? I can't climb down. There's only one way down, and it's by God through a moonsault. Like, and by the way, that was Wardlow's first match in AEW. That was the first match he'd ever had with Cody Rhodes. So not only good on Cody. Bravo. Yeah. For deciding to be like, well, guess what? Here I go. One, two, three. Wee! Off the back of the cage. Good on Wardlow for catching him. Yes. And I thought even before they got to that spot, it was, they had great chemistry. I can't wait to see more of Wardlow in the ring. So, I mean, like. Uh, between those two matches and the tag match between best friends and proud and powerful, those are probably going to be my favorite matches from year one of uh, Dynamite. I do want to give a shout out to Kenny Omega and Matt Hardy and Chris Jericho and Sammy Guevara, where they ran yeah. over Sammy Guevara with a golf cart. Like, like Cause, cause one more again, time. <laughs> it's one of those things we're so conditioned to watch tele watch wrestling in the way that the WWE presents it to us it's like we're condi- we're, we're we're conditioned to think why would uh two members of the elite cuz I'm going to consider Matt Hardy an associate member of the elite at He was time. elite adjacent yeah yes he was a, he was an honorary member of the elite he was deputized kind of like Gomer <laughs> uh in Andy Griffith um some people get that reference and some people won't. Uh, versus uh, members of the inner circle. Why are you having this street fight right before you have uh, the stadium stampede? Well, why can't we? Why is there a rule that says you can't do that? Well, that's what WWE, that's how WWE conditions you to think. So for AEW to just do stuff like that, oh, it's Wednesday. These two are going to have a street fight because they kind of got some uh, tensions. Yep, and they're going to murder a dude with a golf cart. Yep. Hey, other street fight that you just made me remember, or this wasn't technically a street fight. I think it was Falls Count Anywhere. It was the Bucks versus Butcher and Blade. Yes, that was such a And they a started fun in the kitchen with them yep. chopping meat. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's not also mention Butcher, a great moment, Butcher and Blade coming out of the ring to attack Cody. Uh, when they were the henchmen of of MJF uh, early on, so. or the bunny, one of the two. Like, like I, I, I love the way they they debuted, but the lack of reaction from the crowd kind of made that moment feel flat for me. And I don't, mm-hmm. I don't hate, or I don't necessarily disagree with the crowd either because. There was no buildup, no tease, no introduction of these characters. And I will say that that I feel like is one of the um, lesser strengths of AEW, at least in the early going. They would just have Setting these the people pop up and be like, oh, my God, it's them. And it's like, oh, who is that? And we could say the same thing about uh, the Dark Order, but that was more of a pay-per-view thing. We'll talk about the Dark Order later. But, but, but yeah, it's like like – once they got established, I thought that was a good debut. But in the immediate moment when they showed up, it's like, okay, those guys look cool, but who the fuck are they? Oh, so one of them's in a metal band and the other's a pro wrestler. Cool. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So everybody, everybody that was a fan of uh, As I Laid Dying is like, yeah, it's it's Andy. 
I think it's actually every time I die. Oh, excuse me. Yeah, uh, I, 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 that's actually the most embarrassing thing I've said on this podcast since I'm the metal kid on one on this one. <laughs> also, if you want to be freaked out, uh, Butcher and Blade uh, just did an episode of AEW Unrestricted. Andy doesn't sound like what I thought the Butcher is supposed to sound like. His voice does not match his body, and it's a it's a. <laughs> does he have the Brock Lesnar syndrome going? The so the blade had the, the the blade, who's the one who's married to the bunny? Lucky. Yes, very lucky. <laughs> um, he's got that gravelly voice going, and then the 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 blade has the voice that you think the butcher should have because he's just kind of this portly guy who's covered in tattoos and in a metal band. Uh, so that was a little weird. I'll just say that. But I, you know, again, butcher and blade. I think some guys who kind of took the ball and ran with it and uh, absolutely bolster <laughs> uh, that tag division and are allowed to be creative. And I think it's really fun some of the stuff they do absolutely. in explaining. Uh, why they have the different get-ups that they wear. But definitely that match they did with the Bucks at Falls Count Anywhere match that started in the kitchen uh, at, at uh, the Jaguars Stadium uh, was really good. Uh, a couple of – we talked about some matches. We talked about some stuff in general that happened, some arcs, some runs for some people. Some moments in the first year of AEW that made you just kind of say, for lack of a better term, holy shit. Um – I don't know if it was necessarily a moment. This might be more on the whole uh, overarching thing. This is a name I can't believe we haven't brought up talking about the best of year one of Dynamite. Maxwell Jacob Friedman and his whole We Deserve Better campaign. Like, I thought every one of those I I was trying to figure out a way to work MJF into this because I love me some MJF. Like, like he's, he's, he's... he might be the best thing going in professional wrestling today. Like, like he's that damn good, and he will definitely let you know about it. Like, I love the way that he would just browbeat every one of his campaign managers around him, especially Nina, who needs to smile. Smile, Nina! Also, and most importantly, let us not forget, fuck them kids. Yeah, fuck them kids. God, that was that was such a great story. Like what? Like I already mentioned my day job. I had to talk about MJF throwing the bird at a kid at a signing uh, because Who paid to be flipped off by MJF yep. and Cody was Cody was working there. And he's like, yeah, we don't send Maxwell to forward facing things because he'll embarrass us. Yeah, he was working, dude. Mm-hmm. They paid. I would pay extra. MJF, I'll give you an extra 20 bucks if you flip me off. And he'll say, yeah. Hell, MJF would probably flip you off, Rab, for free. That's true. He's a heel. The, yeah. MJF and I would not get along in real life. No, no. Uh, honestly, I don't think many people would get along with MJF in real life. But it's like I, I, I love having MJF – on the on a big stage of professional wrestling, it's just a matter of time until he takes his spot in the uh, spotlight. And hey, real quick, one more thing on MJF. You yeah, talk yeah. about some moments. So I thought the cam- the campaign stuff was great to set up that match at All Out with uh, Moxley, and that was a great match. Uh, the 
you talk about moments that we can't count the match because that was a pay-per-view match and it was an, oh, it was an okay match. Uh, the, the, the feud with MJF and Cody when mm. he gave him the lashes in Huntsville. Oh God. Cause that, that happened great. in Huntsville and I wasn't able to make it uh, to the show, but I had several friends who were in the crowd for that. And so I only got to see the TV reaction, but they had their reaction in the stands and were sending me videos and stuff. That was a moment. So before we move off of MJF, I did, that was one of those from Dynamite because again, that's not something you normally see on television is a dude getting spanked. Uh, basically, <laughs> he didn't get spanked. He got the skin peeled off his back. Yeah. Yeah. He got whooped. Uh-huh. And that's that that and again kicked in the ding dong too. It, it it brought it brought back that old school vibe, which I'm actually excited. Uh, as we're taping this, Dynamite is going to air tonight, and they're going to have that dog collar match, and we'll see how that goes. Mm. And again, it's Cody getting the shiny toy, but <laughs> he usually delivers. He's Cody uh, H. Cody H. Yeah. Uh, uh, I can't think of three C things like Hunter Hearst Helmsley for, you know, any Cody something roads. Uh, uh, that aid again, it's with doing the, the, the Falls Count Anywhere matches and the street fight matches that they've had. Yes, technically they're gimmick matches and they've also had their misses. Again, uh, Mimosa Mayhem says hello. Mm. Uh, that's the worst thing AEW's done. Uh, other than the Nightmare Collective, yeah, um, yeah, we're we're gonna get to them in one second. Uh, last thing I want I want to talk on the positives, my dude Warhorse, which which I guess we can talk yes. about the Cody Rhodes open invitation for the TNT title because it's like like I I was campaigning for my dude Warhorse to get his shot. Uh, Fingers crossed eventually he'll get signed by AEW. But there were some other people that did get to take um, participation, so to speak, in this TNT Championship Open. And they got signed. Eddie Kingston, Ricky Starks, and they're both killing it. So, like, like, Warhorse. Warhorse ruled ass all over TNT. That was a great match. Look, you knew he wasn't going to get the dub. You no. knew they were setting that up. And it probably, you know, he wasn't supposed to get the dub. Like, if anything, like, I, I like what they did with Mr. Brody Lee eventually getting the W, but you would have had to have an idea, okay, we can probably work out a contract with Eddie Kingston, or we, we know we, we've signed Ricky Starks. We haven't told anybody we've signed Ricky Starks, but we have a program for him. Uh, something along that of it being a surprise guy coming in and get the strap. But that open challenge was great. Like having Cody defend that belt every week was a highlight for me, even though I kind of got sick of Cody at the end. I got Cody fatigue. Yeah, um, yeah, you weren't the only one. He got one. Cody fatigue, but... Overall, that was a good thing for AEW to do because it gave some independent guys a chance. It got like, – like that was all Eddie Kingston getting on Twitter and being Eddie Kingston got in that match and then got him a contract. Mm-hmm. Also, tidbit, uh, 
WWE is the reason that Eddie Kingston's in AEW. Yup. Because WWE wanted to offer him a coach contract with well, the Well, they had done that on, off and on. And they said, NXT. hey, we're going to put you on television. So he walked up to whatever executive it was. It might have been CD or Tony Khan or something. was like, hey, just so you know, the other guys made me an offer. And then like an hour later, CD shows up with a contract. Thanks, so, Vince. Always... Always use the leverage you have, kids. That is the le- that is the lesson from Eddie Kingston. Damn right. There's a lot of things you can learn not to do. You can also learn things to do from Eddie. Mm-hmm. If you want a wrestling? If you want to get if you want to get on TNT and you know how to wrestle, just get on Twitter and shit talk Cody Rhodes. Because <laughs> <laughs> that's what Eddie did. But that's Eddie being Eddie. Yep. And it works. And talk for him. about for him real quickly, just to put a bow on that. From a guy, and look, I think it was mostly because they hadn't announced this was a week before Warhorse or a week or two before Warhorse got his match, and they hadn't announced who it was, and they said it was a surprise indie wrestler. So when Warhorse didn't come out, you and I were disappointed. So that was unfair for me to project onto Eddie Kingston. But from kind of a so-so match, really good promo, to he was in the main event a couple weeks challenging John Moxley. The 18 years of grind paid off for Eddie Kingston, and he's one of my favorite people in AEW right now. I mean, I don't disagree. Uh, I I do think for you and I, when Warhorse didn't come out and it was just some guy named Eddie Kingston, there was a little bit of disappointment. Hell of a promo. Um, I wasn't as big on that Eddie Kingston-Cody match as some people are online. And I'll be honest, it's like I... I still think Eddie Kingston... It's an okay match. Yeah, it was just an okay match, and they they fucking broke out thumbtacks in the very first match. It's like, yeah, go top that, you goobers that have to wrestle for the next hour and 40 minutes. But it's like, I I think Eddie Kingston's strength, at least in my mind, is still his promo work. uh, Because I'll be honest, it's like, like, from what I've seen in the ring, he's he's all right. He's good. Like, Like, he's... He, to me, he isn't anything that is like, oh, my God, I, I got to see him in the ring. Now, if he's holding a microphone, I absolutely have to hear what he's going to say. And, 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 and I don't want this to sound like I'm, I'm, you know, downplaying or hating on Eddie Kingston. But I like I, I, I think he's a bigger strength outside the ring than he is in the ring, at least what I've seen so far. You know, in his defense, he will tell you he missed other opportunities. He floundered and don't say floundered but was on the indies for 18 years because he was fat because he was pushing three bills and he's lost some weight uh and maybe that limits because he never uh developed some of that other uh high flying stuff but that's also not his style and that's the great thing about aew is they don't have a type they will find a way for eddie kingston to get in the ring and eddie's mo and it's believable because he looks like that dude who's not going to do all flippy dips and stuff. He'll he just look super athletic, but he'll just beat the crap out of mm-hmm. you. And like you buy that because like everybody knows that guy down on the corner who doesn't look athletic, but, but he'll he will you. he will murder you. Yep. And that's Eddie Kingston. And so I'll give him that. I don't need I don't need Eddie Kingston to be doing you know moonsaults off the top of the cage. Well, like and, I need and, Eddie and, Kingston to beat the crap out of people. And, and and I agree with you. I'm not saying I want Eddie Kingston to pull like. 720 corkscrew butthole splashes or, or whatever the bucks are going to do the next time we see them in the ring. But it's just like, like, like 
I've, I've enjoyed his work in the ring, but I still think his strength is on the outside of the ring, yes. holding the microphone. Yes. I am curious to see where 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 his whole stable with the Butcher and the Blade and the Lucha Bros are going to go. And I, I would be curious to see what this would look like if the COVID situation hadn't hit and Pac was on the other side of the uh, ocean and the Death Triangle never took off, or rather did take off in this situation. That might have been interesting. You probably would have had more stuff going on with the Death Triangle and, and Orange Cassidy and Best Friends. Although, honestly... Uh, I, I think in some situations, it, obviously I want Pac back. I wish there was Death Triangle. You'd probably still have something for Eddie Kingston to do with his boys, Butcher and Blade. And look, Eddie, Eddie, Eddie and a ham sandwich would make a great stable. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. There's a BTE clip a couple weeks ago of him cutting a promo on Sour Patch Kids. <laughs> One of the best promos we've seen all year, and it was on a bag of uh, candy. Just so damn good. And, and he got some shots in on some people. <laughs> oh, <laughs> some that he did. That he shots did. Shots at people. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, it, so, again, that open challenge was great. It introduced Ricky Starks, uh, w- which was great. I'm always glad to have people representing NOLA. Uh, got Warhorse on TV, and maybe at some point there's more from him. Uh, just guys getting opportunities in the year one of Dynamite. Uh, is 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 great, uh, and I think before we move on for some other stuff and kind of get to some of the uh, things that didn't go so hot to wrap up the podcast, we'd be uh, remiss if we did not mention uh, Pineapple Pete. Yep, that pumpkin-headed dipshit Pineapple Pete. <laughs> Which, once again, I say that in jest, just borrowing a line from uh, Chris Jericho. Like, like the story of Pineapple Pete is a great one. Sugar D. Uh, on social media, now a independent contractor, literally and figuratively, not in the WWE sense. Uh, he's a free agent, um, popped up on Raw Underground a few weeks ago. I love the fact that he was presented an opportunity and he made the best of it. And he has now made a name for himself. Like, bravo to you, dude. By the way, if you're one of these pumpkin-headed dipshits, and I'm not using it in a Chris Jericho sense here, that's slamming on him for going to WWE for a week or two. Like, check yourself, dude. Stop being a mark. AEW didn't have him booked. You know, they brought him in as an extra, and if Jericho hadn't have noticed his dumbass shirt, yep. which, I'm again, I'm using dumbass shirt in the same way Landon's <laughs> using pumpkin-headed dipshit. As a term of endearment, if you didn't notice that loud ass shirt, he would have been an extra until you know they got a crowd back, and you know they probably would have given him him some per diem. Yep. Which there's nothing wrong with per diem. I like per diem in catering. And Suge would have hung out and then waited for his next indie booking. Uh, so WWE called him and said, "Hey, come hang out on Raw Underground." And he said, "Cool." And this is this is what we got for you. Bye. Thanks. Talk to you down the line and. When they start having indie shows again, which is probably going to be soon, because again, you know, states like Florida and elsewhere <laughs> just, you know, don't believe in COVID. Suge uh, D's going to be able to, he's going to be able to be booked as Pineapple Pete of AEW fame. Yep. And he's going to make money on the indies, and then, you know, they'll remember him one day and they'll use him on AEW because, you know, we can only hope. Yep. But uh, that was a, that was a, a, a great story. And, Again, it's the power of dynamite. They get it. 
And the power of Jericho, too. And the power of Jericho of... Vince doesn't have to be sold on the idea. That doesn't mean Tony Khan just rubber stamps in anything and everything. I'm sure there's stuff that Tony Khan that hits his desk and he's like, this is really stupid, so no, we can't sanction it, and it's not going to be great. <laughs> well, it's funny you mentioned that because I do want to pivot to as uh, high and glowing of reviews as we give to AEW. There has been some stuff that uh, I don't think has necessarily cleared the bar, so to speak. And uh, you talking about how uh, TK totally shutting something down. This is one of these instances. It's the Nightmare Collective. Like, this was something that got a lot of traction, a lot of screen time. The first couple weeks of Dynamite, maybe even into the first pay-per-view, I'm trying to remember the timeline, but... Tony Khan realized, like, he listened to the fans. And, by the way, WWE, you can listen to the fans. It's okay. He realized, like, holy crap, this is not working. We need to pull the plug. I don't know if it was necessarily because Brandy Rhodes had such a very prominent character already established before AEW launched when she tried to become some weird dark cult leader cult exactly cult leader i mean don't get me wrong i like the pairing of brandy rhodes and awesome kong if brandy rhodes wants to try and be the stephanie mcmahon and awesome kong is going to be her bruiser i don't necessarily hate that pairing i'm not necessarily signing up for it either because i don't know if i want anybody to be any sort of stephanie mcmahon but at the same time, I don't hate it. But then when they started to introduce the whole cult aspect and they introduced Dr. Luther and then they shaved some chick's head uh, that came out of the crowd like it was a knockoff uh, a straight edge society situation from CM Punk. And then they wanted to fight Chris Statlander when she was still very new on the card. Like maybe that would have established her if she knocked off all four of those J bros, but like the, the nightmare collective was hot garbage. Um, and I'm glad is, that Tony Khan realized it was such yeah. and just pulled the damn plug on it. But I will say that it's one of those things when at first you saw, okay, we're going to pair up Brandy Rhodes and awesome Kong. You're like, okay, this is going to work. I liked it. And even at first with Brandy kind of, again, being dark Brandy, um, Bunny, Brandy, I don't know, because what, the whole persona of Allie was when she's evil, she's the bunny, but now she's still the bunny, but she's dressed in like a Space Jam out, outfit and dating QT Marshall. And Brandy is walking around with one of her damn action figures saying, little Bran Bran. The, the bunny's married to the blade, but, you know, real life doesn't matter. <laughs> K-Fabe, 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 K-Fabe. <laughs> It had like you had you had the potential for like on the surface the nightmare collective should have worked okay that's your heel stable in the women's division and it made sense because they had a lot of faces otherwise uh, in the women's division it's just like sometimes things that sound good on paper don't work uh, and that was one of those things and I'm glad they uh, uh, punted on it uh, an upside of that though. 
Luther came into the fold at W or AEW, and why not have the the the, the, the original Deaf Doctor Luther uh, in AEW? Was That's it a, a positive thing, though? Because <laughs> because because I'll be honest, like like I understand, like 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 he's good he's on, on on Dark, and he's Jericho's buddy. But like the only time I really see Doctor Luther is is he has his tongue sticking out, and he's pointing at that weird dot in his forehead, which. By the way, we're going to circle back around to other people that can't keep their tongues in their mouth before this segment is over. That That's a personal issue for you. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, okay, so mate, I don't know. Hey, Luther got a job out of it. Like, whatever. I'm not going to... Oh, yeah, gonna, yeah I'm not going to knock him for, for getting, getting a, a paycheck, but... <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah, maybe the problem is Tony Khan can't sanction, like, Eight out of every ten matches that Luther proposes, so that might just be the problem. <laughs> yeah, that 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 might be it. Like like they probably can't, you know, sanction a whole bunch of fireworks explosion matches. Yeah, when you're the when you're the death match expert, exactly. Like John Moxley's yeah. already filled that niche there, Bubba. <laughs> uh, so yeah, I'm glad they punted on the Nightmare Collective. I. Am glad they did not fully punt on the Dark Order. Yes, rather just shifted the focus. Mm-hmm. I think that is something that hurt the Nightmare Collective as well, right? So yeah. you had them; mm-hmm. they're kind of occult and weird, and there's something going on. The Dark Order is a bunch of creepy perverts <laughs> in a cult recruiting people, and I was kind of soured on Dark Order at first as well. And I think it was because okay, we. We're kind of singing the same note here with playing the same, doing the same note, different instruments mm-hmm. uh, here. And then you had the Butcher and Blade and Bunny at the same time. That's also true. And they were kind of yep. dark and creepy, mm-hmm. but not really a cult. They've established themselves well as just kind of, you know, paid assassins. Uh, so uh, I think that worked against the Nightmare Collective as well as you had uh, kind of. Early on in AEW, you had a lot of creepy going on trying to fight for their footing there, and it was a lot of it was kind of fatigue. And so, not only was the Nightmare Collective not good, it was the least like put together. The least you had the creepy fatigue. Yeah, that's that that's a very fair point because those three factions, the Dark Order, uh, the Nightmare Collective, and then the Butcher, the Bunny, and the Blade, were trying to gain footing at the same time. And the analogy you use, same note, different instruments. They were all trying to hit that same note at the same time. And I like, like, I, I guess this could be kind of a borderline, like good slash bad situation when it comes to AEW, like talking on the dark order. I liked the idea when they were first introduced once again, going back to the introduction of the butcher, the bunny and the blade, they showed up. It's like, Oh my God, who is that? And But once they were established, it's like, okay, they're just a bunch of creepy perverts and weird masks. But then along came Brody Lee and really gave this faction some leadership, some focus. And ever since, they inter- they actually introduced the Exalted One instead of teasing him. I love Brody Lee as the Exalted One. And, like, the, the Dark Order is a highlight for me when it comes to to AEW Dynamite. I know they still have their detractors, but but pre Brody Lee Dark Order, 
Woof, man. Like, particularly that uh, that last Dynamite of 2019 where the Dark Order hit the ring, beat up everybody in the Elite, and there's one of their uh, creepy perverts, uh, the nameless creepy perverts, not, you know, Silver or Five or Ten or whatever, uh, throwing some of the fakest punches I've ever seen. Mm-hmm. Like, that, co- that could have killed them right there, right then. Uh- I will say, I'm like you. I'm glad they steered it out of the ditch because as you got to see uh, Grayson and Uno work, you realize they're good workers. Oh, they're they're again, fantastic. Was, they're fantastic, and they were carrying forward um, characters in essence that I think they at some point kind of developed on the indies. Uh, not called the Dark Order, but like that's kind of sort of their gimmick, and they work together, and they're fantastic. Well, beforehand they were they were the Super Smash Brothers. They and they kind yeah. of leaned in on that whole. Um, at least what I've seen, the, the there were a lot of video game references, a lot of copyrighted references, which you obviously mm-hmm. can't do on TNT. So they had to come up with something new, and like I I I love the fact that they were able to pivot into this because I do think you are right, like. Grayson and Uno kept that stable with their heads above water as much as they could. Now, I don't know how much longer they could have gone on without the introduction of the Exalted One if it was just them and a bunch of, you know, creepy perverts as uh, being the elite has so lovingly referred to them as. But, like, like I, I love this current iteration of the Dark Order with the Exalted One, Brody Lee, with 99, uh, the Queen Slayer, Anna Jay. Like, like I, I love the characters they have right now. Yeah, I think they're my, uh, obviously for the BTE element of it, uh, Silver and Reynolds aren't important. <laughs> I think I might still consider trimming the fat of a couple uh, of people in the Dark Order, especially now that you have Uno uh, and, and Grayson back. Uh, and you have Anna Jay, the Queen Slayer, and you have Brody Lee, uh, you might want to trim things up just a little bit. But then again, the whole point of the Dark Order is they have this whole Strength uh, group of minions of people who, mm-hmm. you know, uh, do uh, Mr. Brody's uh, bidding. But that is definitely something that started in the worst category and steered towards the best category uh, is what's going on uh, with the Dark Order uh, and especially uh, their lawnmowers. Hashtag fuck hangman. <laughs> Hashtag fuck hangman. We're gonna buy seventeen lawnmowers. <laughs> yeah. So uh, you know, I, I think overall, uh, it ha- hasn't been a bad first season, uh, so to speak, first year uh, for uh, AEW Dynamite does. I've been, I think, a lot more hits. Uh, then misses and, you know, along the lines of the Dark Order steering it out of the ditch, it looks like the women's division is going to start to steer out of the ditch. And I don't yeah. really want to say that that's necessarily a best or worst thing of dynamite that happened. That's AEW in general trying to find footing in that division. And I think it's uh, sometimes tougher with w- women wrestlers, uh, especially when you're putting a whole division together around people who haven't uh, done uh, television, but they're starting to, again, that's starting to steer in the, in the right direction as well. And, and far more hits than misses, I think, in the first year of Dynamite on television, uh, for AEW doing weekly television. And again, to have that back, that alternative to the WWE product has, has been, uh, really awesome. Yeah, I would agree with that. Um, 
I, I still wouldn't say that their women's division is on the level of WWE's women division because, quite frankly, WWE's women division is the best in the world, quite frankly. And not to go all CM Punk there. Uh, they might have one of the strongest women division of all time when it comes top to bottom with the talent that they're using, with the talent they're not using, with the talent that's on the sidelines, whether it be through pregnancy, whether it be through uh, contract disputes. But... I like from where they started AEW's women division did get off to a shaky start but I do think that where they are now they have rounded the corner they've made legitimate stars out of Sheeta uh Nyla Rose is a beast um Britt Baker might be one of the best characters in all of wrestling not just necessarily in women's wrestling uh when she gets off of injury I think the alien Chris Statlander is going to be a force to reckon with in that division. Plus, if slash when this whole COVID situation uh, resolves, you have uh, you have the former champion Riho and all the Joshi performers that are stuck on the other side of the pond that can't perform right now. But I do think like they definitely started off, like I said, on kind of a down note, but they're rounding their way into being not necessarily a weakness in AEW Dynamite because, again, it's like they have some fantastic characters, particularly Britt Baker. I think it's just a matter of time before they put the strap on her. I want to see Big Swole take that next step, too. I think we've enjoyed Thunder Rosa. Thunder Rosa, yes. AEW, I know you listen to this show. You need to sign Thunder Rosa or get some sort of agreement with NWA where she can show up on a regular basis because Thunder Rosa has been a breath of fresh air like i love seeing her on dynamite uh her match with Sheeta uh, at this past pay-per-view was fantastic like like this this needs to happen thunder rosa needs to come to aew on a regular basis yeah absolutely so i, I think I think the women's division is heading in a good direction i don't know if they're on that footing yet uh, it, it's also tough because I don't think they get as much opportunity on Dynamite as other divisions do. There may be one or two segments mm-hmm. from the women's division, and so when it's a miss, it's a big miss. Yep, it's more glaring. But yeah. It's more glaring because you get that one segment. But, you know, that's just what they have to work through, and it's not chopped liver to be – you know, prominently featured on AEW Dark no, on there. Absolutely YouTube not. It's like like speaking on well. Dark, I think I think the performer Red Velvet has really used the most of her situations and has really elevated her character. She was prominently featured in a save of Brandy this past week on Dark. So I think she's gonna be a player going forward in the future. Um and like the uh Dark Order is kind of expanding their horizon on that front too. So I mean, uh, like, like there's there's definitely a lot of gains to be had when it comes to the women's division in AEW. Hey, absolutely. Uh, again, as as Anna J uh, continues to rise within the Dark Order, that's only going to help the women's division because you'd have to feel at some point when she's seasoned a little bit more, uh, she can move herself into. Uh, the 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 title picture and being able to have the rest of Dark Order to prop her up makes it easier at some point to give her that chance. We got to remember, 
she's turning in a great performance. She's she's young. She's a young in the business. She's yeah. a young and 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 there's another performer that uh, seems to be. Uh, she didn't make some appearances in the uh, Nightmare Factory tapings. Kenzie Page. Kenzie Page is still being prominently featured on AEW. Yeah, she's still you know catching the one two threes, looking at the lights at the end of the match. But she has shown growth, and I do think in AEW she can be something. Like, I'm not saying, you know, she's going to knock off Sheeta or anything for the title in the next, you know, couple months. But at the same time, Kenzie Page is definitely going to have a place in AEW going forward. At least that's that, that's my opinion. Yeah, I, I do think there are some points. You, you can't discount uh, the experience you get, even if, you know, right now, for lack of a better a term you're 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 jobbing out like you gotta you gotta pay your dues a little bit and 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 just you know crack that door open one last uh you know thing that again i don't want to say is necessarily negative negative or positive yet because we want to see uh, how it plays out uh, i know Dawes, we've both been uh frustrated uh, so far with what Miro's up to, although it's still early in the proceedings. We're still in the, the first quarter of the game, so to speak. Uh, you get a big signing like Miro, which again, for those who are WWE folks, that's Rusev. And he's hanging out uh, doing vignettes where he's like trying to book like a strip club and stuff for like Kip Sabian's bachelor party. And like literally... If Kip Sabian's head exploded on television, I'm not wishing this on him. <laughs> if, if Kip Sabian's head exploded in the middle of a match, I still wouldn't care about Kip Sabian all that much. Like, he's not awful, but it's just like, this is not what Miro needs to be doing. Like, Miro needs to be like a monster. Yeah, like, like I, I actually like Kip Sabian as an in-ring performer, and I would love to see them do something more with Kip Sabian in the future. So maybe if this is the whole, you know, big ships rise the tide, so to speak, and it can bring Kip Sabian up, that's all good. But I don't want it to be at the expense of Miro, because like you said, this guy's a monster. And if booked correctly, like by Thanksgiving, he could be legitimately in the picture for John Moxley's world championship. This is you a mean Lance Archer's world championship. Oh, all right. Well, we'll settle down there. Uh, future uh -huh. Booker prediction, but, but, but like Miro, the former Rusev, this is a talent that was completely squandered by the WWE. This is a guy that is not only charismatic. There's not only athletic. There's not only has a look that makes you think he is a legit badass. He has the entire package he can talk, he can wrestle, he can kick your ass. But what we've seen so far, I mean, he's he's been the second hat to Kip Sabian, a guy that was off TV for for weeks. I mean, like, I can't remember the last time I saw Kip Sabian before they started this whole, you know, I'm getting married to Penelope Ford. By the way, congratulations, Kip, you lucky bastard. Because that's a real-life thing, folks. Uh -huh. Look it up. Yeah, yeah, not kayfabe. This is a shoot. Uh, but... Like, and even what we've seen with, with Miro on screen, like the one match we saw, it was him and Kip teaming up to take on uh, the concrete rows of uh, Joey Janela and uh, Sonny Kiss. Like there were, there were some very scary moments in that match. Not only where Miro, it looked like hurt himself. Also, it looked like Kip Sabian nearly killed himself uh, doing a like 
plancha off of Miro's back onto the concrete. And then in in the terms of the match, like I'm, I don't want to bury Joey Janela and Sonny Kiss, but they got a whole lot of offense on that team, particularly on Miro, when that's the first time Miro is in an AEW ring. He should have come in and just completely murdered them, like kicked their asses, like shown that he is that tank that is going to run over everybody in AEW. And since then, he's been in a bunch of like kind of comedy vignettes. And this last one that we saw, by the way, we're taping this before uh, the October 7th edition of Dynamite airs. It was him, the payoff was him standing next to video game record holder Billy Mitchell? Like, what? Like, like I'm, I'm a video game fan, and if, if it's going to do anything for anybody, you would think it would do something for me. It's like, when I saw Billy Mitchell and that was the payoff for, for, for that vignette, for that segment, like, What? Like I, I know Rab said it's it's still very early and it is still very early in the whole Miro run in AEW. It's like and I don't want to jump to conclusions because in the WWE world we saw this past week on Raw uh, the whole retribution thing was kind of a joke until they said oh by the way Ali is the leader of retribution. It's like okay that makes sense and I'm gonna give this uh, I'm gonna give this storyline uh, another chance. Hopefully there's that moment coming for Miro or Miro just like murders Kip Sabian at the altar. I, 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 I don't know. It's like, like something needs to happen because Miro needs to murder somebody. That's kind of what I thought was coming. And I, I, the best way I knew to phrase it was turn on Kip Sabian, although Kip Sabian's not a face, but whatever, uh, that maybe this is kind of laying the seeds that like Miro's just going to like, have enough of Kip Sabian, kind of like at some point Wardlow's going to have enough of uh, MJF. Oh, and that's that going to be a great be so feud. Good. Maybe that's what they're doing. I don't, you know, I don't know. Uh, I'd hate to think that they'd sign Miro and not know what to do with him. Uh, but you can't have that plan with a talent like Miro. Like, he's not Sean Spears. Sorry, Sean Spears. I'm not taking a shot at you, but at the same time, like, Miro is at another level than you. Like, not knowing what to do with him, too, would be so weird because it's not like, again, everything doesn't run through Tony Khan's office. It does. It has to get approval, but they let you come up with your ideas for the most part. Or they'll say, hey, we have these ideas, and if you're like, no, this is really stupid, then they're not going to make you do it. I mean, you. Unlike Dean Ambrose in a gas mask. <laughs> Which, once again, it's such good shit. But it's like, like we, yeah. we, we've already seen it's like with, uh, with Matt Cardona, the uh, former Zack Ryder. It's like he currently isn't under a contract with AEW. He signed for a couple weeks and a couple uh, appearances. But past that, there was nothing to keep him on the books. So hopefully. AEW does have plans for Miro. They do have a pathway for his character because it's come out like this is this is over a year contract. So Miro is on the books for AEW, and Miro is all elite at least for the next year. So well, that, yeah. that gives me hope that they'll figure something out, and they're not afraid to switch directions. That is true. Either like they they will they will they will switch directions to make it if they see this is not working, they'll do something else. And so, uh, 
with all that, I hope they figure out what's going on with Miro. Again, just kind of to, to wrap things up on a, a high note, Dawes, because we could probably talk best and worst forever. Uh, we could, there's yeah. good things and bad things. You know, you can just keep expounding on things. Well, I like this. I didn't like Man, I wanted this best, podcast oh, to be more positive, and here we are just railing on the negatives no, for most I'm going to end on a high note here. Okay, well, good. Let, all me, right, let, me get to, let me get to the hook. All right, all right, all right. Settle down. The, the Again, making it a year, we've talked about people they've given opportunities to, but again, AEW for so many people, and Dynamite as well, this is just kind of grouping the company in together. They've cracked that door open for people. And again, we've talked about some of the people who have taken advantage, but it's so great at this point in 2020 with the changing media landscape and the way things are going that AEW cracked that door open for people to be able to show their talent and give them uh, that opportunity. So it's exciting that, uh, we're a year of dynamite already. That's crazy to believe. Uh, and excited to see what's going to continue to happen. And you have this new uh, approach, fresh approach to, to doing wrestling and is on a scale that can actually compete with the WWE, whether or not they really think they're in competition or whatever. I don't care. Uh, it, it's th- this new league as TNT calls it, in the new league, AEW and Dynamite, every Wednesday night, look forward to it. And, and that's a refreshing thing to look forward to watching wrestling, not thinking, uh, do I want to watch this? So uh, that's a positive. I like that. Thank you for uh, putting a nice bow on this conversation. I try. I'm a, I attempt to be a professional. It doesn't always come across <laughs> on this program, but I know how to. Hey, but you collect checks for being a professional. Speaking of, where can people find you in your professional job? How about that for a segue? Got the Off the Bench program Mondays through Fridays, 11 to noon uh, Central Time on WCDT Radio. Uh, Prep Football Insiders uh, weekly program talking uh, Middle Tennessee High School football. Uh, on a network of uh, independent stations throughout southern middle Tennessee. Uh, Colin High School football on Friday nights, although the game this week is a Thursday because I think it might rain and they don't, you know. Anyway, uh, I'm busy, busy, busy in the sports world. Uh, subscribe to WCDT Radio uh, on uh, the podcast platform of your choice. There's a bazillion of them. We're signed up to most of them. Uh, check out WCDT Radio on Facebook and Twitter, and I'm on Twitter at Rabwill. Uh, follow me on Twitter, L-A-N-D-O-Z. That's where you can follow me. 280 characters at a time. Uh, I also appear on the Monday Morning Monorail podcast. That is a family-friendly podcast on the latest happenings from the House of the Mouse, the most magical place on Earth down in Orlando, Florida. Um, some sad news coming out of there. Over uh, 20,000 cast members got laid off this past week. And uh, I'll be honest, it's going to take some... Uh, very special magic and or alcohol for me to uh, get something positive to say about them on this upcoming episode. So be sure and listen to that. That'll be interesting. Uh, I also appear on the Phil Show News Talk 98.7 WOKI radio station locally here in Knoxville, Tennessee, streaming 6 to 10 a.m. Monday through Friday. Uh, 
Also available in the News Talk 987 app and the iHeartRadio app as well. That is available in the iTunes store and uh, the Google Play store. So there you go. Uh, Rab, any last thoughts before we hit the dough? Just remind folks, continue to be safe. Uh, be smart. We are in the middle uh, of a, a pandemic. So uh, wash your hands. Stay socially distant. Wear your mask. Uh, also... Uh, you know, it is election season uh, coming up, so make sure you're registered to vote. Hopefully you didn't miss the, the deadline. Several states just had a deadline. I'm not telling you who to vote for. I'm not telling you what to believe. I'm just saying <laughs> you need to participate in the process. Yeah, Rab didn't and tell you so. who to vote for, but I made some very unsubtle hints earlier in this podcast. Yeah. Be sure and uh, skip back and figure out where I gave those hints. But yes, also, if uh, you have not missed the deadline in your state to register to vote or update your voting, please do so because this might be somewhat of an important election. So for... I, I say they're always important. Oh, they're it's definitely important. important but this is way, way more important. Yep. All right, anyway, so for The Will Rab, I am A. Landon Doan. Thank you for joining us. I have an edition of Near Fall Radio. You've been great. We've been Near Fall. Thank you very much. be pretty good when it gets cleaned up yep once i go through and hit it with a chainsaw it'll be good <laughs> <laughs> hey man we're doing the best we can oh look at that yeah yeah i go pee they hit a home run maybe i should go pee more often let me just say this uh oh, funny funny yeah yeah more edits uh, I feel sorry for you. Like, there is so much you're going to have to clean Oh, up yeah, yeah. Like, like it, it's going to be choppy, choppy like I'm the manager of Kayantai. Oh, I'm not even going to try to get into that with the uh, uh, <laughs> 90s wrestling references. Choppy, choppy, you pee-pee. Oh, choppy, choppy, pee-pee. There's going to be so much good shit to cut out of this podcast.